We hope you guys had plenty of coffee this morning because the Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers went to four overtimes last night. Today, we talk with Sam Prebitt of Bleacher Report in this episode of Locked On Hurricanes. Your Locked On Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Kaniacs. I'm your host, Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by the lovely folks over at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. And when you enter promo code locked on NHL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. And today I am joined by Sam Previtt of Bleacher Report to recap game one of the Eastern Conference final between the Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers. And first off, how much coffee have you had this morning? Because that was four overtimes, almost went to five. Just one cup so far this morning. I do get a little anxious if I drink more than one cup of coffee usually. So Mm -hmm. today may be an exception. But uh, normally just one cup. So I'm going to see how I do with one cup, but I may have to go back and make another one. Yeah, this was an extremely, extremely long game. It ended close to two in the morning. It was five hours long. This was absolutely ridiculous. And this was actually the uh, first conference final game to go to uh four overtime since uh i believe 1950 something i saw i think 1951 is when it was that was when the last uh conference final game went to four overtimes so this was very long it was the longest game in panthers franchise history it's the longest game in hurricanes franchise history and the sixth longest game of nhl history so i gotta ask how was it experiencing that in person? Because it was <sighs> rough ex- for me, you know, coming listening to it at work, coming home, watching the rest of the game. It was rough for me, uh, you know, yeah. having been up since 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, um, being there was, it was a definitely a different experience. Like, mm-hmm. I think I, like, look at it differently now that they lost. Like, if they won, I think I would have a different like feeling about it I'd be like oh my god that was like the greatest experience of my life but Mm. leaving I was like we stayed till 2 a.m for this and just as it kept dragging on like yeah they went back and forth with the scoring chances and everything but it there was just a lot of neutral zone turnover like back and forth and I was just like just end it just end it like the canes kept icing it I'm like just someone end this game like preferably the canes but someone end this game i'm tired they stopped serving food i was hungry i was Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm ready to go home this is a really cool experience i'm gonna remember it the rest of my life but i also just want to go home (laughs) yeah it it was definitely one of those experiences where it definitely got to that point where it's just like somebody in this game and you know it did end up feeling like you know fatigue was really setting in for the hurricanes and the panthers as well 
uh you know i mean you go almost five overtimes fatigue is going to be a factor they played over two games of hockey in this game so you know you look at all that and it kind of felt like it was going to come down to a stupid mistake and that's ended up what what happened and you know just a mistake led to you know Matthew Kachuk getting the game winning goal but you know before we get into the end of the game uh the Hurricanes really had a lot of trouble in the first 40 minutes. And it it really looked like a team that had had an extended break. And it looked like they had trouble. And well, it didn't look like they had trouble getting to their game. They did have trouble getting to their game. How much of that was rust? And how much of that was just the Florida Panthers, you know, coming out hot and being ready to go? Honestly, like I, I, talk, I thought about this a lot last night, like on the way home and everything. And to me... The whole game, the Canes just looked so out of sorts. And in my in my head, I just kept thinking, you know, where's the line between too much time off and not enough time off? Because mm-hmm. they've been sitting in Carolina for about a week. They yep. won last Thursday, and then the game was yesterday. So, no, last, yeah, last Wednesday or Thursday. Anyway, so they yeah. had over a week off. So, <clears throat> and I know that they had multiple just full days off. Rod Mm -hmm. said, like, no practice, no nothing. So in my mind, I'm like, well, are they looking like this because they had so much time off? But also, why are the Panthers looking so incredible when they had to travel more? They played longer. Like, I I, I was trying to, like, like, reconcile it in my brain. And it was really hard to pinpoint, like, what went wrong, I guess. Because, you know, Rod Rod Moore teams are historically very well conditioned. So it just seemed very odd that they would have all this time off and time to prepare and to scout a team that does play a very similar system to them. And they just couldn't figure it out. It was just very strange to watch it all unfold. Yeah, it it kind of felt like a mixture of both, of them having too much time off and, you know, maybe they should have, you know, practiced a a couple days more, uh, you know, and, yeah, just not necessarily like a full, you know, you know, all out practice, but just getting out there, you know, and keeping it going. But then again, Florida Panthers, they were very well prepared. Now in the third period, the Hurricanes did look a heck of a lot better. And, you know, they really looked like the Hurricanes for the most part. And, you know, what adjustments do you feel were made in that locker room there? You know, what was being said and whatnot uh, for them to come out in that third period and end up tying the game forcing the initial overtime and then, you know, yeah, you know how it went from there. A big thing for me, at least that I noticed, and it was frustrating me the entire game was the first two periods. They kept doing this thing that they usually do, which is they don't want to just throw pucks on net and they keep going for that cross ice pass or that pass to the middle or the drop pass or whatever it is. And every time there was a Panthers player there and mm-hmm. they just kept doing it regardless over and over and over the first two periods it was driving me out of my mind and then finally in the third they kind of just said like screw it and just went to that system of let's just get pucks on bob and he's giving up the rebounds let's just get the pucks on him and that's why i particularly love the way brady shea and brent burns played yesterday because Mm -hmm on top of being really great defensively and being solid defensively, specifically Brady Shea, because I think on the opposite end, Brett Pesci had a horrible game. And I mm-hmm. think Brady and KK were, 
there to make up for it. But Brady and Brent, their uh, their game plan is always, if I have the, a clear shot from the point, I'm just going to send it. And mm-hmm. I think that mentality needs to creep into the forward group a little bit more of we can't always go for the power play is an exception, but at even strength, we can't keep going for this cross ice pass to the person waiting in the back door. It's just not working. The Panthers are going to stop it every time. You're a great four checking team. Get the puck, get pucks on net. Someone be in front of the net and the, it will go in. Like I, I, I think that was the biggest adjustment that I saw between the first and second and then the third. Yeah, and speaking of making a big adjustment like that, it does feel like they are going to have to do stuff like that, make big adjustments heading into game two. And we will talk about game two and what adjustments they're going to need to make right after this quick break, folks. Now, attention active individuals, are you tired of sacrificing your comfort for style when it comes to your active wear? Introducing Bird Dogs, the game changer in athletic shorts. Picture this, premium shorts designed for maximum performance combined with unparalleled comfort. Bird Dogs are here to revolutionize your workout routine. With their unique built-in liner, these shorts offer ultimate support and flexibility ensuring you stay comfortable even during the most intense workouts and here's the best part bird dogs are more than just workout gear they're versatile enough to take you from the gym to the street without skipping a beat designed with pockets that actually work bird dogs give you ample space to store your essentials while you're on the move bird dogs are made with premium breathable fabric that keeps you cool and dry throughout your activities Perfect for the trails, the gym, or simply lounging around. Bird Dogs are the shorts you've been searching for. Order a pair at Bird Dogs and join thousands of satisfied customers who have made the switch. Visit birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL. Use code LockedOnNHL to give a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Bird Dogs where style meets comfort and performance meets perfection. Get yours now and unleash your true potential. Now, diving into game two and adjustments that are going to be made. Uh, we'll obviously talk about game two, uh, you know, later on in the week. But it does feel like you know they are really going to have to make some adjustments if they are wanting to win this series and advance to the Stanley Cup final. You, we already talked about the biggest one of you know they got to stop you know looking for passing lanes so much. Get the pucks on net. That has been something that has been a problem for the Hurricanes for not just this game, not just this postseason, not just this season. It's been a problem for them for years now of, you know, they always look to pass first. We saw in this game multiple times where guys yeah had golden opportunities to shoot and they passed on it. And, you know, that, again, is the biggest change that they're going to need to make in game two. But what are some other changes that you feel they're going to need to make in game two? Honestly, I just the my biggest frustration, I think, was so there were more players that I didn't notice making plays last night that I noticed like making big plays or stepping up where I was like, oh, that was a great play. I think particularly I mean, Jar- Seth Jarvis was the star yesterday. In my opinion, I think he played out of his mind. He was in every single play when he was on the ice. He was all over the ice. I thought he was incredible. That obviously helps when you're as young as he is and you're going into four overtimes and you have as much Mm -hmm. energy as he does. That obviously helps your case a little bit. But I just think that 
I mean, particularly Aho, especially with like the shooting issue and things like that. I just didn't see him act being as active in those plays as his linemate Jarvis was. I think that more of the forward group needs to just, I don't even know what they need to do. It's just, they, I just didn't notice them at all. Those top mm-hmm. line guys. It, the, it wasn't the defense. It was, it was the, like, I noticed Derek Stepan more in that game last night than I noticed yeah. Aho. Like, yeah. and, and that's a problem, especially when you're, he's your lead playoff leader in points and you expect him to come up big in those big moments. He needs, I don't know what specifically those adjustments need to be. Cause I don't like just laser focus on him in the game, but he needs to do, I mean, getting pucks on net obviously is the first problem, but just maybe, I mean, maybe their forecheck was a little on the, like they eased off on it a little bit last night. I didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, there were moments where I thought maybe they could get into the physical play a little bit more and they didn't. Maybe that's like fear of Radko Gudis or like Sam Bennett bashing someone's head into the ice like they did against Toronto. But mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the forward group was so invisible last night and that's not going to, that's not sustainable if you're going to try to make the Stanley cup finals. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree there. And, you know, I've said many times throughout this playoffs and, you know, the deeper this run has gone that, you know, every player is a key player at this point, but this is a time where you want your top guys, your star players to do top guy and star player things. You know, we saw it last night with Matthew Kachuk, you know, He's the guy, you know, the Panthers are going to look to to end a four overtime game. And that's exactly what happened. You know, so this is a time where, you know, again, top guys need to play like top guys, plain and simple. Everyone's key. Everyone is important. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Aho, he's, you know, with Fetch being out, he's your best player now. He needs to play like your best player. And it did feel that, yeah, a, a lot of guys were invisible in this game. And for checking, like you said, you know, especially in those first two periods, they really got away from it. They weren't doing it well. It got better as the game went on. But, you know, this was, you know, Tavo Teravainen's return game. And, you know, definitely at first, you could definitely tell there was a bit of rust there. And he did not look like typical Tavo Teravainen. Now, credit to him he did play everything and he played you know five on five he played power play he played penalty kill he played in every overtime it wasn't like you know his he was getting limited ice and i thought he particularly played well not Mm -hmm. to cut you off but i feel like i feel like he particularly played well i thought i there were a few moments where he got into the play and he was doing everything he could to you know generate a takeaway or or stop the the Panthers rush I I noticed him a lot during that game and I was pleasantly surprised because it's one thing to miss regular season games and come back but to miss playoff games and come back and make it as you know as much of an impact as he could you know considering that he doesn't have the same level of conditioning playing in as many playoff games I was pleasantly surprised with his performance actually yeah it he definitely felt like he you know, settled in as the game went on and it got better. Uh, but, you know, another guy that you know, I think, you know, was really standing out in this game, in my opinion, earned himself a contract extension already uh, with the playoffs. And last night, especially was Frederick Anderson. He was stupid good. Uh, and, you know, he really kept the Hurricanes in it, especially as the overtimes wore on. 
and you know, really doing everything he could, making some amazing, amazing saves. Uh, and, you know, for you, while you were there, you know, watching, you know, what was the sentiment around Freddie and what he was doing out there on the ice? Yeah, everyone was going crazy. And I think the, I mean, I feel like the sentiment was across the board, people at home, people in the arena, that Freddie deserved better from them in that mm -hmm. game. And you could just see that he was calm. Nothing was phasing him. Like, and he did, he actually did something that I, I, was happy because he's strayed from this in the past. He's, he's, he's prone to playing the puck a lot, not yeah. in the sense of like coming out of the net and like going to play the puck, but as in like focusing on the person with the puck instead of anticipating where it might go next. And there were a few times where I saw him, the puck went somewhere and he, instead of going towards it to try to play it or focusing on that player, he was moving from post to post horizontally or, mm -hmm anticipating what was going to come next. And I think that that's super important for him because that's where a lot of his mistakes come from, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So to see him be so calm and just so in control and to not make those mistakes that he's prone to making, that was so reassuring going forward. And just, I honestly, as soon as Matthew Kachuk scored, I was like, that was not, this was not on Freddie. Freddie no, deserves better. Not. He just put on the best performance of a goalie probably ever in a Hurricanes uniform. Like that, this is not on him. And honestly, I don't, aside from Brett Pesci's performance, I don't think it was really on the defense either. The forward group just looked gassed inexplicably to me, looked gassed almost the entire game and mm -hmm. just couldn't. Yeah, we got a lot, we generated a lot of shots, but it, it felt like the Canes of old where we would throw everything in the kitchen sink on the goalie. And but how high quality was all of it? And they were able to stop all of it. And we end up losing by a goal. Yeah, it, it was, you know, Freddie was great. And again, like I said, the, the defense was great. You know, aside from Brett Pesci not having a really great game, the Hurricanes played a really good defensive game. And, yeah, this is a criticism I had during the regular season of the forward group just wasn't there. And. We can't, you know, do that, you know, in game two, game three, game four, however many games this goes. You can't do that. They have to show up. And yeah, Freddie, you know, it was not on him by by any means. And I've said in about the entire length of I've been doing this show of uh, sometimes it feels like the Hurricanes are just shooting to shoot not yeah. shooting to score and yeah you know you got to create pressure you got to get the pucks on the net but also on the flip side of that you need to choose your shots well and you know the uh when i was up in detroit uh for the regular season game back at the end of march uh it felt like they're using the red wings logo on ned's jersey as a target you know they're just shooting right at the middle and it kind of felt like that sometime sometimes last night as well or yeah. this morning whatever whatever you want to say uh but yeah it definitely feels like their shot selection is really going to need to improve because go both goalies were in playoff form last yeah. night you know when the hurricanes signed frederick anderson they wanted a number one goaltender that could carry them in the playoffs and that's what they're getting with freddie right now he wasn't able to play in the playoffs last year because he was hurt i believe it was torn acl or mcl or something uh one of those cls <laughs> but you know they were finally able to get him yeah you know, in the playoffs this year and it has done 
he's done what they wanted him to do. And yeah. like I said, in my opinion, he's earned himself an extension uh, with Absolutely. the way he's played in this playoff last night, especially he's earned it, his extension. I would have disagreed so. with you going into the playoffs. Actually, I would have said like, I think maybe like we let him ride it out in the playoffs and then however it yep. goes, we let the ship sail. But the, last night, especially, I was like, I don't know if you can let Freddie go. And with the shot selection thing, the the first thing that came to mind was Natchez's breakaway. Mm-hmm. I think, first mm-hmm. of all, he tried too many moves. And then when he finally put his shot on Bobby, didn't elevate the puck. And that was the the two goals that we did, that they did score. That was how the the puck went in. They elevated it over Bob's shoulder. Like, mm-hmm. you got to go top shatter on Bob, it seems, to score because he's playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I just thought that was poor shot selection by, by Natchez, who's one of the best goal scorers on this team, if not the best goal scorer on this team, aside from Svech. You know, that's, I mean, obviously in the moment, who knows what's going through your head and you're just trying to get the puck on and whatever. But to me, that seems like a no-brainer that, you know, I if our other goals were scored by elevating it, well, if I have a breakaway on this guy, I'm going to try to get the puck up instead of just either throwing it at his chest or throwing it at his legs or whatever. Uh, but that that when you said shot selection, that first was the first thing that came to mind because I saw that breakaway was like just a disaster for Natchez. And mm-hmm. I, that probably could have changed the game. And it really could have. It, it really, really could have. And that's something that, you know, they were mentioning on the radio broadcast while I was at work listening. Uh, they're trying to do too much. They're being too extra. They're being too cute of, you know, trying to do these fancy things. Just keep it simple. They know what works for them. Just do it. it it's and that's that, what worked in the third. It, exactly. They stuck to their game. They kept it simple. They didn't try to do too much. I feel, you know, that's a big thing that they need to do in game two. And we will give our game two predictions of what you can expect from game two right after this quick break, folks. All right, it's time you know, to look ahead to game two for a quick, quick preview of that. Now, first and foremost, the biggest thing that folks are going to be talking about with game two is the fatigue factor on both sides. You know, like we said earlier, they played over two games of hockey here. And you know, this was you know, an 8 p.m. start time on Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what day it was. And, you know, it didn't end until you know, two in the morning on Friday. And game two is tomorrow on Saturday. So they're not going to get as much rest as would have initially been planned for. So not only for the Hurricanes, but for the Panthers as well. I, I really think we're not going to see you know, a game like this. Uh, I think you know, you're really going to see fatigue on both sides for sure. And I think we are going to see fatigue like mistakes, kind of what led to the Kachuk goal. Uh, I really think that's something we can expect. Uh, but uh, how much of a factor do you think fatigue is going to be playing in game two for both sides? Yeah, I well, for the Hurricanes particularly, I said it like right when the game ended last night. I think this is a this game, game two is going to be a real measuring stick for them because there's two ways it can go. They can either use take this as a deflation. What are we going to do? It's over already. You know, they they beat us at home in such devastating fashion. How can we recover? Or 
they use it as fuel. So obviously there's going to be naturally fatigue on both sides. That's like you said, it's just bound to happen. But after that initial wave wears off, maybe in like the, after the first period or even halfway through the first, however long it takes, are they going to stay deflated or are they going to use all of it as fuel to say, that's not our game. We're going to get to our game and show them why we got here in the first place. Um, and I think them having the home ice will definitely help with that because it's one of the loudest buildings I've ever been in. And mm -hmm. I think that definitely gives you a boost as opposed to, you know, the Panthers who don't have that same boost. But honestly, it's just, I think the Canes right now are either going to be their biggest savior or their own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. They they have to figure out how they're going to let this loss affect them because the Panthers, in my opinion, are just having that 2012 Kings run. Nothing's going to, obviously they'll have this natural fatigue, but nothing's getting them down. They're just vibing. Everyone's, you know, in great spirits. Matthew Kachuk was joking about everything last night. I mean, he pointed to the locker room and they all ran off after he scored the goal. Like that's, and they all were like, like jumping on Bob and like celebrating with him. Like you can see the vibe that they have where I think the hurricanes are going to have to work a little harder and determine their own fate here and say, are we going to let this completely deflate us and, and just say, well, they're having a magical run and it's their year or say, no, it ends here. And we are going to use this to, and use our fans and use our crowd to take back game two and return to our style and prove that we are the better team than them, which I believe they are. Yeah, it, it really is going to be a, okay. Now, one thing I do think we can see is some adjustments be made as to what they're doing on the ice. You know, we talked about earlier how they were looking for passing lanes too much and looking to pass first rather than putting on the putting the puck on the net, like Natchez being that golden breakaway. And, you know, he passed up on it and, you know, ended up trying to do too much. Uh, and I do think in game two, we will see them, you know, not do that as much because that was tail of the tape for the first two periods. And I do think that is really going to be something Rod, Tim Gleason, coaching said it, something they're all bringing up like, Hey, don't do this <laughs> plain and simple. Uh, you know, get the puck on the net. Like you said, elevate the puck. That was the one thing you know, that they were able to uh, get with Bob is, you know, elevate the puck, get it over his shoulders. I do think we will see more of that. I do think, they will come out for checking a lot better in game two because that was a really big issue in the first two periods. Now, as far as adjustments that you think will be made in game two, uh, do you think you know, they'll be doing this or is there something else? I agree with everything you said. And I, I, one player that I think hopefully will also um, have a better game offensively, I think will be KK. I think mm -hmm. What I, I hate, like, keep bragging on Brett Pesci, but it was just something that was driving me crazy considering the contrast of Brady Shea having such a great game, making huge plays, making big hits. And I feel like Brett was pinching a lot, especially at unnecessary times. And KK, I saw him, I mean, this is him being defensively responsible, but I think KK was coming back to help Shea mm -hmm. out. And then that takes him out of the offense because he's too busy covering up for mistakes that Pesci was making. So I, I hope that if, you know, if Pesci ends up having a better game or, you know, not even like a remarkable game, but like a slightly even better game where KK is not taking himself out as much. 
I hope KK can, you know, bring back some of his offense because he was key in the devil series for sure. And I think they missed because he's a, he's a player that throws quality shots on net. And I think that they missed, I think his line missed a lot from him because Mm -hmm. he was rightly so being defensively responsible, but I think that takes him more so out of the offensive side of the game. Yeah, and that's and you bring up uh, Brett Pesci again, not having a really good game, and that's kind of something we've seen several times this postseason of him not having a good game, Brady Shea not having a good game. That this defensive pair through the regular season, for the most part, was really freaking good. Yeah, and in the playoffs, they've really taken a step back uh, as a whole. They've had you know games where they have been lights out, looking like regular season form for them. But I do think that is really going to be something that has to change in game two, game three of those two guys getting back to the way they are because Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns, still really good. Jalen Chatfield, Shane Gossespierre, still really freaking good. They were great last night. The yeah, two of them. The, Chaf- I, w- I was impressed with Chatfield a lot last mm-hmm. night. Yeah, like those guys yeah, are still really good and sometimes it feels like in the postseason there's always that one defensive pair you know that just isn't there for the hurricanes and it's weird it being this pair of brady shea and brett pesci um but we've talked a lot about fatigue factor you know now frederick anderson he played a very very long game now in game two do you see the hurricanes going with auntie ranta here uh, or do they go back to Freddie Anderson? Because I've kind of, I mean, you can't go wrong with the Freddie no. because of how good he's been, but he played that long of a game. I, I kind of feel like Auntie Ronta, you know, may be the guy to go to because of yeah. that fatigue factor that we've been talking about uh, this, all day today. Yeah, this is honestly the biggest question mark for me because Rod is so, he loves to ride the hot hand and I don't blame him because I mm-hmm. do too. And I think the fatigue factor and Freddie's just general tendency to get hurt. I do worry about riding the hot hand in the sense of putting him in. And, and but I also worry like on the flip side of that, Auntie Ranta hasn't played in a long time. Mm-hmm. And he also is prone to injury and not playing a long time and then jumping right into it can also cause injury. So I think the goaltending is going to be a huge question mark. I do wonder if they just, I, I mean, this is such a horrible thing to say when you're down one, nothing in a series, but putting in Freddie to start because he just played so well and you don't want to mess with his head. And if worst case scenario happens, then you put in anti Ranta. Um, I could see that maybe happening, but ultimately as i work it out in my head as i'm talking to you i would say just stick with freddie because you don't uh, mental space for a goalie is so important and you don't want to mess with him by saying like you had a great game but we're worried about you so we're not going to play you in game two i think Mm -hmm. you kind of have to start freddie despite some reservations you might have yeah i I do think at the end of the day should you know freddie not be saying anything you're like hey you know i think it'd be best you know if i if I if Ronta starts this one now, if he says that of like, hey, I'm not good to go for game two, then yes, absolutely go with Auntie yes. Ronta. Don't throw him out there. Uh, but yeah, you know, if he's not saying anything, if he's not giving any signs, 
in practice in morning skate of like, hey, you know, we may want to sit him for game two. Yeah, I do think you go with Freddie uh, here. But yeah, it's going to be really tough. Uh, Fatigue is going to be a big, big factor for everyone. You know, Brent Burns, gosh, yeah, I know he played over 40 minutes. I mean, he's conditioned to the moon at 38 years old. And I will say, yeah, this entire game, even though they lost, is a testament to the conditioning that Bill Bernstein has done with this team. Because, yes, teams are a lot better conditioned now than you know 10 20 30 years ago but you know to go for almost five overtimes and that that's a real big testament to what the hurricanes and the panthers coaching and conditioning staff does with their teams and you know tip of the cap to those guys uh but you know ultimately we're just gonna have to wait till game two you know, to see what we can expect here. You know, it's one thing you know, for us to sit here and talk about it. You know, we could talk about it all day long. Uh, but at the end, at the end of the day, we won't know until we know, plain and simple. Uh, and game two is tomorrow. And it's yep. going to be a different beast than game one, for sure. I think ultimately, like you said, it will come down to the mental aspect of the game. Uh, both teams are going to be tired. That, that's a given and it's going to be the team that is 100 mentally and can then take advantage of the mistakes that the other team is going to be bound to make yeah i agree and and one thing that i will give a testament to the canes for is yes at times they were not really sticking to the plan their system however you want to say it but i think a notable thing is that matthew kachuk aside from the goal had like one or two shots the whole rest Mm -hmm. of the game. And yeah, there's some talk that he might be injured or something, but to shut him down that much, because I really didn't see him that much. And Brandon Montour, yes, he played the most of anybody, but he's been a scoring machine. And I don't think he had that many quality scoring chances. And that's something that needs to continue going forward. So I, I do think that that was a great look into how the Canes it's not not all hope is lost and they can right the ship and mm-hmm. get their game plan together and shut down this team they know what they need to do and they've kind of been doing it now they need to like a hundred percent do it yeah it's you know the defense was there they shut down the guys they needed to shut down it was just they need to get the offense up to yep. that level defensively which has been an issue with the Hurricanes in the past in the playoffs. I think we were all kind of expecting a low-scoring series here. We weren't expecting a repeat of the New Jersey series by any means. But, yeah, the Hurricanes definitely need to find their offense in Game 2 for sure. But, you know, we're just going to have to wait till tomorrow to see what happens with Game 2. So, in the meantime, make sure you're following Locked on Hurricanes on Twitter at LO underscore Hurricanes. Myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. My co-host Andrew at a schnitt 53. And Sam, where can everyone find you on social media? Uh, they can find me at S underscore Prevo, P-R-E-V-O-T on Twitter, everywhere else too. And uh, please follow BR Open Ice if you haven't yet. Bleacher Report's uh, hockey brand. It's We're fun. We have fun. Uh, we, we were live tweeting the entire four overtimes last night, but that's BR underscore Open Ice on all social media platforms.
Yes, I, I loved the SpongeBob tweets. That was hilarious. Uh, but in the meet, but we will talk to you guys in the next episode of Locked On Hurricanes on Monday, where we will be recapping Game Two and whatever else comes out with the Hurricanes over the weekend. So as always, folks, let's go Canes.